everyone. I'm Lauren and that's Carla. Hello. And this is Chirping with ABRs, Season 2, Episode 3. Just a small disclaimer before we begin. These are our thoughts and experiences. We're not claiming to know everything. We're just speaking from our experience and we love sharing our knowledge with you guys. In terms of discussing things from a previous podcast, I just wanted to add, I really hope that um, explaining the tokoloshi um, was doing the Zulu people justice. So if I wasn't, I'm more than happy for people to get hold of us and chat to us about it. Um, But yeah, if anyone out there is listening and wants to get back to me and isn't happy, please do let me know. Um, I did do quite a lot of research, so I'm hoping that it was informative enough. Anything from you, Carla, in terms of the previous podcast? Well, my sister mentioned, she said, because so I made a joke, she's not listening anymore, So and she told me, oh, well done taking on religion. And I'm like, did we take on religion? I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't, oh my God, <laughs> the brain. And I was like, where? I need to re-listen, because I'm like, did we? Because we sometimes we say stuff. I'm like, so if we said anything that was religious or that we insulted anyone we're so sorry yeah we respect every single religion even if we don't take part of it to each their own just don't hurt other people that's all we ask um so yeah yeah, so i don't know be a good human (laughs) exactly it's not that it's not that hard like the funny bit was so i think she accidentally my sister downloaded lots of episodes so i went to see our data on podbean and i said like did you listen to 16 episodes and she's like no i just listened to the last one and i said well it says there's 16 episodes in the country you're currently living that we never get any audience for and i think she accidentally thought like you were skewing our data yeah but you know what also it does do that like when you when you re-listen to an uh, a podcast when you haven't listened for a while it does automatically oh you're interested in this again it downloads loads of so possibly mm, you know i'm hoping not you never know but yeah. Yeah. That was all I had to say. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Um, and please feel free to communicate any topics you guys would be interested in. You can email us. You can contact us through our website. You can contact us on Instagram. So our email address is aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. Our website is abaowls.com. And on Instagram, we're just aba underscore owls. And if you want to search for us also on Facebook, again, aba and the owls. So yeah, oh, get hold ABA. of us. Yeah. All the A's. Well, we also would like to ask anyone listening to send us your questions. We will be having another Q&A episode very soon, hopefully with another guest. Yay! Um, Yeah, so we would also love to hear your queries. Just contact us on the platforms Lauren just mentioned, and we'll repeat them again at the end of the episode. Um, So, yeah, let's just jump. Our topic for today is DTT versus NET. Woo-hoo. Which is, yeah, Lauren actually wanted, this one actually is more Lauren's. Last month was more, Carla wants to superstition, but this one was more Lauren. Because she does love a good versus and a good analyzing of things. Um, so why we chose this topic? Uh, well, we've been, we have been trying to do topics that can be accessible to different people. So like, you don't have to be an ABA expert to understand what we're saying. But at the end of the day, we are behavior analysts, so we we do we did decide to do a more technical episode. Uh, we will still do our best to speak in terms that everyone understands, but sometimes our language might be a little bit more ABA 
ish. Um, we won't go too crazy in detail, uh, but we will talk about how DTT and NET are different, what they are, uh, why are they important, and possibly, you know, some of our experience experiences with it. And I just, how I just mentioned, we're going to discuss DTT and NET, so we will each take one of these. Um, I'm doing the DTT and Lauren's doing the net because since I'm already talking you know I think I might just go start with the DTT if that's all right Lauren yeah you go for it thank you Alrighty then okay so for this episode I actually did a bit more research not that I don't do research for the other topics but this one I I went a little bit a little bit deeper than I usually do so even though I understand and I can run DTT procedures I did think it would be useful to have some research and some books to reference. So I used Understanding ABA by Albert Kearney, which we covered on our first episode of The Hood Chronicles. I know, I looked it up. Behavior Analysis for Effective Teaching by Julie Vargas, which was covered on our last Hood Chronicles, episode 9. And the following articles. Um, there is a bug in your ear using technology to increase the accuracy of DTT implementation by McKinney and Vasquez, 2014. And I also use an article called Comparison of Traditional Embedded DTT on Problem Behavior and Responding to Instructional Targets by Ak and Naranki, 2019. So DTT is an acronym for Discrete Trial Teaching. It's called discrete because each trial is separate and distinct from one another. So this teaching method is structured and it follows specific procedures. It is taught one-to-one, -one. the skills are broken down into steps, the targets are run in rapid succession, and each session will be of short duration. So as it is done, it's done in rapid, oh, rapid succession. Mm -hmm. it, allows, <laughs> it allows several small trials of the same skill. So the basic setup of DDT is so you we present an antecedent stimulus that is the target we then have a controlling prompt if necessary we reinforce the response so quick example if i'm teaching someone to find a picture of a dog i will put three pictures of different animals in front of the learner and ask where's the dog and allow for the learner to respond so point or grab the picture of the dog and reinforce if it's correct you can also use objects or live examples, some, and this is called in vivo. Some people, like, I know some people in ABA don't usually come across the term, but it's, it's quite used. In vivo is an English expression. Um, and to clarify, DTT does not, I repeat, does not, not, not have to be taught sitting at a table. Even though this is very typically used in DTT, it is not a mandatory requirement for teaching for a teaching session to be classed as DTT. And whilst I'm on the topic of it, I'll pick a bone with one of the articles I mentioned. So, Ak and Aranki state in their abstract that, and I quote, DTT involves the presentation of instructional targets in an activity-based situation. Well, this, to me sounds more like net teaching, which Lauren will explain in detail soon. And you can indeed use DTT in activity-based situations, 
but you then have to keep the format of rapid and repetitive teaching trials in order for it to be considered DTT. And if anyone disagrees with this, again, please feel free to email us and let us know, but these are the basic characteristics of DTT. All right, so there are many, 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 many articles and studies that empirically show how effective DTT is and how it helps different people learn skills. Years back, when I used to tutor a neurotypical young lady, so no autism, just tutoring, I used DTT for some skills. And one of them was to teach her the world's capitals for her geography lesson. So for those who don't know me, I'm very geographically challenged. I am not a person who knows capitals, still don't. I like unless I've been to a place like I'm good when I have to find places I'm actually okay I'm good I remember but if I've never been there you know I will not remember so how do I teach a person a skill that I'm not fluent myself so first I wrote down all the countries in Europe that's where we live in Europe and all the capitals then I placed them facing up and asked her can you match the capital to the country and if she was struggling, she would ask for help. And I would then point at the correct one. So that's a controlling uh, prompt. And her reinforcement was knowing how many correct matches she'd gotten. Because she was actually, she, she was a person she really liked doing well. And so this was all done in rapid succession. So after she could match all of them, I would then place only the country's names and say, find the country for Vienna. And she would point at the country. And after this, I took all those countries. I put the names of the capitals in front of her. And I did the opposite. I said, can you find the capital for Austria? And again, this was all done in rapid succession. So I didn't want her to have time to hesitate too much. Because we do want to, after she's learned them, it's trying to get the, the skill to, let's say, be absorbed. Like it becomes, like it becomes so in, it, it goes into your brain in a way that... You just know it's like times tables, like the repetition. Yeah, it becomes so an, fluent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the last step was what we call an interverbal or a tact. I think it could be both in this mm -hmm. case, which is what is the capital of Norway? Or what country has London as a capital? So once she could identify them all without a visual stimulus... I then return to the same matching as the first step, but this time I would inc I include the capitals in I mean let's say Africa. So I would do one I would do one continent at a time. So I would then I had the basic continent that's where we live, and then I increase the scope to the other continents in the world like one at a time until like so slowly she would master and and no because until this day she she knows all the capitals to this day. I don't, but she does. That's what matters. Yeah, but also you in, you increased the field and you did it in yeah. small achievable steps. Mm -hmm. So, perfect. Yeah, exactly. So, you see how I use DTT. So, each trial was discrete. So, it had a clear beginning and end. It was quick, repetitive, and it was done in quick and rapid succession. Oh, my days. Oh. <laughs> this board is going to be my undoing. Oh, <laughs> Okay, so one type of DTT is called ITT, which stands for Intense Teaching Trials, and some people call them Intense or Intensive Table Teaching. So there's different 
terminologies for the same thing. These are trials done at the table. So these ones are specific for the table, and that's how I've always done them, because they do they are meant to be more condensed, more intense. So now that we've spoken about what DTT is and how it works, let's get a bit into the why of it, of it all. Like why why would or should we use DTT? I'm going to use mainstream schools and examples. It's always good to have examples adapting to real life. Um so do you remember and I'm asking a question for the public to us, to us all. Do you remember going to school and you had to write words multiple times during spelling lessons and you had spelling tests and, you know, uh, if you made a oh my God, if you made a mistake, then repeat this, write this word 10 times. It's like, oh my days, why do you torture me? I also um, had a lot of detention, which is kind of what we did. Did in you? Oh, yeah. Did you? Oh. No, when I was in high school, but um, when I was in secondary school, yeah, a lot. Terrible. <laughs> Isn't high school or secondary the same thing? I don't know. In in um in South Africa, we have primary, we have secondary, yeah. and then we have high school. Uh, we do primary, middle, and secondary. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Um. So, yeah, so you'd have to, for example, Lauren had to write lines, bless her, <laughs> or, but also when, you know, for example, when you got taught a times table and the whole class oh. ha had to recite, like, we call that choral responding, so mm -hmm. everyone has, how much is blah, blah, blah. So that has nearly all the requisites for being a DTT session. So the only thing missing is the reinforcement, because not every teacher will reinforce appropriately or at all. Like mm -hmm. they just oh you just, you should just enjoy be enjoy doing this well and like yeah that's all very good and done but it takes years for a person to develop that sense of pride let's say on of their own work oh, so I you suppose, need to make yeah sorry oh I suppose the reinforcement would just be that the task went away because <laughs> you got it all right <laughs> <laughs> so you got a yeah bit the of break, having a break yeah. having a break which you know. I remember being in primary school and we didn't. It was just like, okay, on to the next thing. It's like not, yeah, even, a, exactly. not even a bit of a pause to be like, okay, guys, have you have two minutes, don't be too loud. And then we'll yeah. like, but nowadays in schools, they do a lot of breaks, which is good. Yeah. I think it helps keep focus on the kids. Anyway, mm -hmm. so DTT is also a very good method to teach discrimination. So because the fast pace, like Laura mentioned earlier, um, it develops uh, fluency. It requires a person to be focusing and this is something that a lot of people struggle, especially when we're younger and we're in school. And seeing DTTs and ITTs are meant to be fast-paced and short, it only requires a short amount of focusing for the learner. It does allow them to perform better because it's only for a short time. Uh, so it's like, it's quick, done, break. And then another quick one, done, break. And, of course, I'm not saying we have to use DTT procedures with every learner or every skill, not at all. Sim like I simply mean that it is a method that has shown results and that it's already used on a daily basis in school. Just people don't are not aware of it. And I do advise careful consideration when you're using DTT. You need to consider the learner's level, what skill are they learning, how long are you running a DTT session for, are you seeing any progress with this method? Is the reinforcement enough? You know, so there's all these variables uh, to look into when you're implementing DTT or ITT. And we are aware that DTT does have a reputation for making learners sound like parrots and that ITT is considered even more of a parrot-like 
teaching method. And if done incorrectly, yes, that will or can happen. But we can't pretend that that it that it won't work because it's it, it's the same for the mainstream teaching procedure. So remember when I said you know it's already used in schools and I talked about the timetables. So when we're learning the timetables, the teacher will say two times five is ten. Now your turn, class. Two times five is and everyone goes ten. So it's already being used. So when I, I like when people say dee 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 is like ah, makes you paired like. You are doing this in schools already. What are you whining about? So a way of preventing learners from sounding like parrot, like parrots, it is to generalize skills in the natural environment, which Lauren will guide you through. Thanks, Carla. I did want to mention, you know, I, we both worked with this lady and I remember her explaining to me that we need to teach a lot of math skills to fluency kind of like how you're mentioning mm, with times tables I think I know. and number bonds and all that kind of stuff because mm. those are the things yes you have to learn to understand at the point in your it's a point in education where you just have to know the answer without thinking and I remember her saying that and I actually think that a lot of the basic maths I learned I didn't learn to fluency so some of it I struggle with I've got a bit better because I've been practicing it but mm. I think there is a lot of evidence to show that if you teach a skill well enough, like you were teaching the capitals, you know, um, that people become, they start to absorb stuff quicker. And actually you get to absorb, absorb a lot more information because it's quick and it's fun. And it's kind of like, as you said, there's breaks. So I do think that there's a lot of merit in it. Um, whether it should be used all the time, that's something we can discuss. But I'm going to talk about natural environment teaching, as Carla just mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. and, yeah, and I'm going to do a little bit like, like Carla did. So what is it and why do we use it? Because I think those are the most important areas of our WH questions for this um, podcast. So I'm glad Carla mm -hmm. chose the same um, method to discuss it. Okay, here we go. So NET stands for Natural Environment Teaching which does sound wordy and can seem a bit of a strange concept as all teaching kind of should be natural. <laughs> um, but within ABA, we have a distinction between discrete trial teaching, what Carla talked about, DTT, and natural environment teaching, NET. Okay, as our clients we work with sometimes need some teaching to be taught in a discrete way, as Carla described really much clearer and in a way better way than I'm going to. And some skills need to be taught in DTT and then generalized, which I'll go through later, in a more natural way, maybe through play, okay, or other ways of teaching. Okay, so NET is often taught in an environment that child enjoys and is less structured. So the schedules of reinforcement are a little bit looser and more natural, okay, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and one of the key principles of NET is using motivation of the child. Okay, so incorporating their interests is a big part of this. To learn new socially significant skills or behaviors. For example, so a therapist or a tutor or a whoever, a teacher, may identify that a child sort of likes cars or gravitates towards cars. So they may teach various skills while playing with cars, such as counting their number of wheels or the color of the car or labeling different parts of the car. Okay, these are the wheels, these are the windows. Um, also maybe teaching the child to share the car with others, with their peers, etc. 
Um, I'm just going to quote the Chicago ABA therapy, and it's literally chicagoabatherapy.com. But according to them, natural environment teaching is present when there is purposeful interaction with the environment to support the skills being trained. For example, if a young person or a child or a client or whoever is sorting laundry at a table in the classroom, that might not be considered natural environment teaching. Mm. But if a person is sorting laundry in laundry baskets and putting in the washing machine, it might be more natural, maybe more oh, considered Laura, more. Yeah. Oh, can I just remember one of our favorite students and we were teaching him sorting objects. Oh, and I it know. was like, he did master some of it but oh. after a few a few months, but like it was bless him it was so no, hard no. it was all a mess like if i could go back i would teach it a completely different way honestly i would ch- completely change the way i was teaching him yeah but and like also, bless him like i just feel like the materials we had were also not great you know what i mean like we needed like different color stuff like oh, it was all kind of the same color and i feel yeah. like he needed more yeah more distinction there and also more purpose for him you know well ju- just a very quick side side Segway, whatever. So it's, we had like, trou- I remember we had trousers, socks, and t-shirts, because you wanted to make different items, and you yeah. had to put each item in like a tray, but it was all jumbled, because the idea is you need to unsort, so maybe I would have just started with, instead of all, all the three items, I would just do between a sock and a t-shirt, yeah. and then a sock, a t-shirt, and t- because we had two of each yeah. in the pile, so I think it was too many yeah. resources at the time, exactly. so like, I'll, yeah, bless him. Sorry, it's just because you said laundry, and I just No, thought. exactly. It's a good example. <laughs> I was kind of, when I was writing it, and also doing some research. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of him. Um, so yeah, so, you know, that might be considered more natural, because you're actually doing laundry in its natural environment, as opposed to doing it in another setting. Having said that, sometimes we need to have more quick succession teaching that happens at the table in the classroom, and again, we teach that skill in another way that's more natural, okay? But again, I'll go in that, go through that in a minute. So, there are some misconceptions that if a child is not at the table, then they're engaged in natural environment teaching. Okay, this is not always the case. Only when a therapist is utilizing the tools and interests in the natural environment, this is natural environment teaching. I will go through this in a second because I know it sounds confusing already. So, that being said, some of the chosen targets are net aren't innately reinforcing. For example, laundry or a spoon. <laughs> and it can be difficult to run pure net sessions if your thoughts are that net is only interests or motivation based for your clients. So there might need to be additional reinforcement added to the net session in order for it to be successful. Okay, and it's also important that the therapist is in control of when the child re- receives reinforcement. Okay, to encourage more positive behaviors, because otherwise it's there's no point in you being there because it's you know the reinforcement supposed to be delivered through you, um, and also when to deliver reinforcements really important. So some students or clients require a reinforcement that highly motivates them in order to sh- ensure that there's progress throughout net sessions. Okay, am I being clear, Carly? You still with me? I am. Okay, I'm, cool. Well, for, the thing is, for me, is it's clear. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? So I, I, I maybe I'm not the best. The best one to ask. So basically, guys, I'm just going to reiterate. So basically, net sessions, yes, should always aim to be naturally reinforcing in themselves. But if you're teaching the targets you need to teach your young person aren't naturally reinforcing, 
because they are everyday objects or their laundry or those kinds of things. You might need to add something to that session to make it more reinforcing for the kid. But your aim is always for it to be naturally reinforcing, something they like Mm -hmm. already. But sometimes that's not always possible. So we've got Mm -hmm. to make it work for our clients as opposed to going, oh, we can't teach that in net because they're not reinforced by it. Okay, so that makes us better therapists to be able to work through that. Um, and having said that, Carl and I work with multiple clients that might not innately find <laughs> their, their targets reinforcing because they get older and we want their targets to be more appropriate for their age group in terms of learning laundry and washing dishes. So, yeah, so we just got to be adept. We have to be adaptive in these environments and think about what's the best for our clients. Okay, so I want to add this in because I thought this was important. There is potential for NET to be more difficult to implement than other ABA therapy strategies or ABA strategies as the setting is usually more informal and less structured. And some people find it harder to implement because there aren't necessarily as many guidelines and rules. And there's like there's a certain amount of creativity involved. You have to think about these things and create environments. And maybe that's kind of why Carl and I lean towards NET because it's more natural for us. I don't know, Carla, what do you think? I agree. I I do enjoy it quite a lot, but like I always plan it mm. before I run it. Um, sometimes you know you can get fluent and you can do it naturally. And you, like if you know the targets really well, when it's a new program or something or new targets, I always plan a bit until I get, you know, until I I'm until I have the the targets inside my brain. Mm. Um, and I've had someone once. I heard someone once say like many years ago say that they prefer to do ITT because if autistic children learned in net better, they would have already done so. And I just thought that was not... I, I, I honestly don't... I didn't know what to say that because at the time I wasn't as good at ABA as I am now, but I, I didn't know as much. That's what I mean. But now that I think about it, I'm like, well, to be honest, if net is where they struggle with, then I think that's where that's what we need to tackle. Absolutely. Um, Annette is a bit like manding. Like, remember the episode, the M word we yeah. did, like at the beginning. I think people struggle because it does require more thinking mm-hmm. and more preparation, and like you said, more creativity. Um, and I, you know, the tutors that I train now, like for net and manding. So if we're doing a manding session and they just the resources are available and a kid takes a resource, they just take it back and make him request. And I said, okay, if it's someone who has a behavior of grabbing mm. or who needs to be taught man's, fair enough. How, but even then, I do recommend do not take it back from them yeah. because it, it's not natural. Because if the resources are all there available, yeah. like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an activity. You know, it's like, why are you making me repeat this? Like, so if there's something you want a child to, to mand the learner you should actually have control of it so they don't swipe it in the first mm. place or they don't grab it and then when they ask you give it to, because it just feels like it's like imagine you are going for um, a crafts workshop with a friend like like Laura and I were talking about one of our birthdays where we went flower arranging and let's say we were doing flower stuff and I was picking a flower from her pile and she take a, takes it from my hand and like ask for the flower yeah. I mean we do need odd. to consider this exactly, and that's and manding is a net activity. Mm. Like all net net activities will involve manding, so 
it is that thing of, you know, you need to think about if they struggle in the natural situations, then you need to practice yourself as well to be as natural as possible. Yeah. Isn't it? And, and I, it's hard sometimes. Of course. No, it's really hard. I run net sessions that are horrendous. I've also run some that go really well when I didn't expect them to go well at all. You know, some yeah. you just don't know. And planning is, is really vital. But I think the thing is also is that, you know, in in ABA, blame is never really on the client. So people that are saying exactly. things like that are not actually very good behavior analysts. And I really do hope they've improved their practice since then and maybe can change their minds. But yeah, because those are the type of people we really want to be better within our field so we don't have to feel the shame to, to say things like that. Like that's just insane well i remember this this time this was like really badly planned because it was i think it was the first year i was doing aba and i think it was our sports day got cancelled or something oh yeah when we're in the same class and i turned to the student uh blah 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 i need you to do something for me and he was like what (laughs) i need you to go get some ball (laughs) Because <laughs> I want him to get like the balls from the sensory room for us to play, and yeah. just, but then you know because I I realized what I was saying as I was saying, so I just dragged the word ball, <laughs> <laughs> and then he came back. He blessed him. He went to get the balls, and he came back like Carla. Here are your ball. Oh, oh, oh dear. Oh what do we oh, do to these they... poor kids? Oh my days! And he was laughing because I was laughing, so he just found it hilarious as well. <laughs> oh, brilliant! But oh. yeah, I think it's this. I think it's interesting to consider, and I think also, you know, I can and I have run perfectly, and I'll talk about it a bit later. But perfectly good DTT or RTT sessions or both. But yeah, I my natural inclination is for net because I feel that I just blossom more there. But I can do both, like you know. Anyway, so why do we need to use NET? Why is it critical? Um, why does it work so well with DTT and ITT? Okay, so this is one of the reasons why. So NET is frequently used with individuals who are on the autism spectrum, okay, as a way to help them generalize their skills. So I said generalization and generalize earlier. So what is generalization? It's basically when a child is able to apply the skills that they learn in one setting or in other settings to new or unfamiliar environments or settings. Okay, and this is difficult for people on the autism spectrum because they often find it difficult to demonstrate the skills they've already learned in novel or different situations. And again, this is why it's so vital to focus on these things. Because they found it difficult, it's an area we need to target, again, create opportunities to teach, and then reinforce when we see the behaviors we want to see in these different settings. Okay, so let me give you an example. So let's say we give it, we teach a child to self-regulate or a client to self-regulate at school. If they only learn to do that at school, it's only in one setting. And this is something that can really benefit them in another setting. So they will need to learn to self-regulate their emotions at home and whilst out in the community and with their peers and their siblings and so on. So if they don't learn to generalize that, generalize the skill, they only can use the skill in one area. Some children, let me just say here, can naturally do this, even if they have needs, but not all. So it's often difficult for people with children, with people who are on the spectrum, okay, but not always, just as a small side note there. 
Um, but by successfully generalizing this skill or any skills, they'll be able to carry it wherever they go. So it'll be portable and they'll be able to use it. So research indicates that using natural environment teaching or NET increases the likelihood that learners generalize their skills or use their skills more readily outside of therapy, which can I just say in itself is enough to convince me to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, this type of training is what parents are most often doing with their children and is the type of training that is most likely to be retained and utilized across environments and maintained mm-hmm. across time because everybody else is doing it. So why not do it? I'm going to give you a quote that just backs up what I said, and it's from a paper I read called Behavioral Language Interventions for Children with Autism, Comparing Applied Verbal Behavior and Naturalistic Teaching Approaches. And it's by LeBlanc et al., and it's from 2006. Oh, so, can you send me that? Of course, yeah. It's actually a really nice paper. So I'll put on the list. Thank you. And then, and I quote, naturalistic teaching approaches tend to value a developmentally normalized approach to instruction, such that teaching activities can be readily employed in homes, daycares, and integrated into educational environments, rather than teaching, or rather than separate teaching environments. Thus, many naturalistic um, teaching strategies are employed in the context of play or naturally occurring events, for example, snack time rather than readily identifiable work or academic context. Okay, basically what it's saying is that NET, this kind of teaching, is easier to use as it naturally naturally flows and with other ways of teaching and how a child will experience these events. So it's not only, it's not contrived, it's more experiences, okay, in their homes and school, etc. So, again, brilliant way to use it. Teach it in, in DTT or ITT or both. And then teach it in net. Why not? Let's go for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just to end off with a quote about whether one method might be more superior than the other. So just to throw something in the mix here. Again, from the same um, paper. And I quote, Additionally, many experimental studies of naturalistic teaching strategies, are net strategies, explicitly measure stimulus and response generalization as a measure of effectiveness of the intervention and demonstrate superior effects of intervention compared to more structured, discrete trial teaching approaches. Okay, so it's saying that the natural way is better than the, than the DTT. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, everybody out there. It's not mine. I just thought I'd add it in because I thought it was quite a powerful quote. So yeah, that's me. Controversy. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you something because yeah. one of the articles I read, Lawana from Hakanaranki. Yeah. Um, and they, I'm gonna read you something they wrote, and just I just want to get your thoughts because I'm like, am I being really dumb about this? So, I'm gonna read the quote. It says, "With a naturalistic approach, DTT instruction is embedded into ongoing routines and includes materials." Naturalistic approach, DTT. The instruction is embedded into the routines, of, which so far, like, yeah, mm. it is possible. But then the example they give, they're like, for example, when the learner enters mm-hmm. a bathroom, the instruct- instructor may teach the learner to tact bathroom, or when the learner te- reaches for a toy inside the bin, the instructor might reach the relevant preposition inside. Moreover, skills are taught following initiations from the learner. The interaction, i.e. the interaction is child-directed. But this sounds like net so i was i read i read like how is this dtt because mm. it's not fast paced mm. it's child direct which is a characteristic of net and it just sounds like talking about net so i don't know why they're calling it mm. natural dtt 
Yeah, I wonder if, in their own way, they are saying that you can implement discrete ways of teaching in net teaching. So it not it might not necessarily have all the characteristics of DTT. So it might just be that it's when it presents, we teach yeah. in a discrete way. Um, you know what I mean? So within the activity, and we kind of do do that when we do net a little bit, you know, and we do prompt. It would be just less um, structured. You carry on and saying, an alternative is a traditional format of DTT. TDTT, which typically involves being seated at the table, which is something I completely disagree. That it, even though it's the mm. most used, it's not a traditional official model. It's just how people have just decided to use it. So yeah, I think it's become a thing. Yeah, a thing. but it's not. Yeah. It's not traditional in the sense of it's not an official traditional, like. Yeah. So I have a. I have. No, send me that article. I'd like to read it. I will. I do because I do have quite a few issues with their introduction. Because I'm like, I, yeah, exactly. I know, I don't want to be a beep about it, but it's just like, sorry, you're not making any sense. But it's good to ask questions. I know. know. True. True that. Well, so yeah. why not? Yeah. All right. So and We like a question. We do love a question. <laughs> like, come on, come, come fight us. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and thoughts. I, I personally think that, like Lauren said, like that article that says they feel like net is better for teaching. I do think a balanced approach is always the best. And But saying that, some children do learn better in net and others with DTT or ITT. I had, I'm in. Yeah, and I had a client whom for the first year or so, I did mostly net. And his progress wasn't that significant. But to be honest, it might have been my my teaching. I don't know, like. You know, could have been that. So his mom did suggest we try more DTT trials because when they lived, uh, they used to live in another country and they used to have a BA. And she did say that when they do when they did DTTs at the table, his progress was a bit better. So she said like, let's just try it for a month or so, see if there's a change. Okay, fine. So we did m- many more DTT trials, and his progress, it was so significant, like. He improved like exponentially, and then we also exactly, and then we used net to generalize the skills in the environment. So just to make sure he wasn't just a table parent, like they, we wanted him to be a, mm. to be able to bring the skills into his daily life. So like identify fridge and whatever and speaking. So you know whether you're a net person or a DTT person, I do think it's worth trying both methods and you know there's nothing like some good old-fashioned empirical data and just see okay what what works best you know and that's just what i think i absolutely agree like i lean to more more towards nets uh because i find it i'm better when i'm freestyle but i do enjoy a really great dgt and rtt session okay Especially when you can see the progress of the client. Like, it's so reinforcing to see them progressing. Um, so I'll give you a good example. I worked with an incredibly bright child, okay? Um, and he loved his DTT sessions or his RTT sessions. Okay, they were more RTT. Um, and even though we used to generalize stuff in net, the, because the, of the nature of the net um, sessions were looser, he's a little, got a little more distracted quicker. Mm. Um so actually, even if he was highly motivated for the activity, he kind of lose focus a bit. Yeah. Um. So actually, for him, 
he was and he was learning like 50 60 skills a, a week you know he got up to like 90 at one point so he was able to generalize his skills without much effort so he didn't have to make a big big deal about nets because he would just like randomly tack stuff in other environments so we were like oh he's kind of showing us he knows it still or he knows that we don't have to even set it up um so yeah i think it depends on your clients i think it depends on you know, what you feel best doing. But I think also, as having said that, like you really need to make an effort to do both. And as you know, let's go for it. Let's see, let's compare some data. Um, so yeah, so basically, I can't deny how many skills he learned, this kid in ITT. Um, and I also think that people find it easier to teach those sessions because there's more of a formula and and I think that's why know, that's lots what, of people like ITT it's not because it's best for the learner yeah. it's because it's easier yeah. for them to do and there's a lot Absolutely. and there's a lot around teaching that's more about what's easier for the easiest for the teacher as opposed to what's easiest for the learner which I do yeah, get sometimes exactly. in terms of resources and time and yada 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 it's it, it you, yeah. you do need to consider that but like but then you're not creating effective learners you know, it's... of course, and also, unfortunately, we can't, we can't just do what's always best for us. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, actually, like mostly in our work, we we never really do that. Um, but but yeah. So uh, what else did I say? Uh, okay, so yeah, consider education, consider the the student, like whatever's best. I do feel that both methods can benefit any child. Yeah. Um, and you know, it may look slightly different in in different environments, but you know. Carla demonstrated really well through her example that neurotypical people can also, and we, we as you gave some good examples, we all do this. So yeah. it's not some weird ABA thing. And it's not some weird thing we use for autism. It's just that we might need to be more discreet because they might need to learn a few more times than everybody else. I mean, repetition is very much used yeah. in teaching. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with both. I do like one more than the other, but I can do both pretty competently. Yeah. And um, yeah. All right. So for I'm just gonna we're just gonna rename the articles and books we've done. So I used again Understanding ABA by Albert Kearney. Again covered on the first episode of the Hood Chronicles. I looked at Behavior Analysis for Effective Teaching by Julie Vargas, covered in the last Hood Chronicles from the ninth the ninth episode. And I also looked at the following articles. There's a bug in your year using technology to increase the accuracy of DTT implementation by McKinney and Vasquez, 2014. And the article called Comparison of Traditional and Embedded DTT on Problem Behavior and Responding to Instructional Targets by Hawk and Naranki, 2019. So those were my resources. Uh, and now, yeah. which one was your, were yours, Lauren? So I looked at a few websites, but I only um, used a few, actually, So and articles. So um, I looked at um, ChicagoABAtherapy.com, which is actually really nice, some nice um, explanations of it, easy to grasp, not only for ABA folk. And then the other article, which I really, really enjoyed and very interesting, was called Behavioral Language Interventions for Children with Autism, Comparing Applied Verbal Behavior and Naturalistic Teaching Approaches. And it's by LeBlanc. Et al. and it's 2006 so if you want to have a look at it you can find it all right yeah google scholar has all of it so yeah please feel free to email us on 
aba.owls.uk at gmail.com or messages on Instagram at aba underscore owls. If you have a particular topic you'd like us to address or if you have any questions or comments about this episode, again, feedback. We, we you know, we're not scared. We're not scared of criticisms. Like, we're like turtles. Our shell is quite tough. So, you know, let us know mm-hmm. your thoughts. Um, Yeah, you. Cool. Yeah, we say our, our skin is as thick as a rhino in South Africa. Oh, nice one. Our- our context of animals are a little bit bigger and more <laughs> dinosaur-like. Very uh, true. Okay, so uh, as Carla mentioned in the beginning, please send us your queries um, and questions you might have so that we can discuss on our Q&A episode. We're really keen to have people participate in that. And our next episode will be on the first Monday of December. That will be the 6th of December. And the Hoot Chronicles will be coming out in two weeks. So that's the 15th of November for your diaries. Please rate, like, and subscribe to us on Chirping with ABA Owls on iTunes and on Instagram and on Facebook. You've heard all the ABAs and all the owls. Thank you again for listening, and we really appreciate it. And, yeah, that's us. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Oh, actually, am I correct in saying this? Yes. Yes, it came out. Yeah, on the eighteenth. Yeah. Yeah, because we. Well, oh yeah. Well, right. for us, for us, it was yesterday. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like we do record this in advance. Of course. So we now do. you know. Yeah. We have to. It takes time editing, guys. Um.